Aram Chagola works as a trauma and ER nurse at the Scarborough Health Network and Sunnybrook Health Sciences Center in Toronto. And her job involves intubating and resuscitating COVID-19 patients, among the other things that happen in the, in the uh, trauma area. Aram, you and I talked last July, and we were talking about the stress and exhaustion on hospital uh, nurses, especially in the emergency room and, and doctors and other medical staff. And at the time, it seemed like COVID was on the wane. It was it had been going down from that massive sort of winter spring high. And there was a sense of optimism. And then came Omicron. And the the uh, well, the infections are so high, the testing, they can't keep up with testing. We know that and, and ICU and emergency visits are, I believe, in the past week from the week before it was almost double. What is it like for the staff right now in emergency as we as we we're, we're, we're getting close to two years? Um, if I were to describe what it's been like for two years. Um, up until now, I'd say we're running thin. We're getting really exhausted and it's become very overwhelming at this point. Let's just compare, because I said we talked in July. If you had compare what your day is like and your level of exhaustion and stress today in, in January compared to July, where are you and your colleagues in on sort of a, a stress exhaustion scale? I think if I were to look back, I'd say that that was nothing compared to now. Are you seeing more of that? Are you seeing colleagues who are just burning out and, and having to you know, leave permanently or, or take a leave of absence? Absolutely. Um, there has been a lot of my colleagues who have either strongly considered to leave the profession or we've had a high turnover where nurses are just leaving the profession because of personal, emotional, and physical burnout and stress, lack of sleep, other problems that have um, circled around um, this uh, pandemic. Others have decided to um, completely leave the profession. And then there's those that have branched off into different areas of the profession. So as not to have to directly deal with patients who are positive with COVID-19 and, and to deal with uh, that of the distress of caring for someone with COVID-19, because when you see someone with COVID-19, um, they're very ill. Um, they become either critically ill or they're just very sick um, individuals. Even sometimes with mild symptoms, they're sick. So it's very stressful. And um, I think the other reason why a lot of people have either decided to change professions or leave completely or um, branch into a different uh, area of nursing is because they also feel stressed with having to deal with distressed family members. Now, a lot of the times when we have patients that are COVID positive on life support or about to be placed on life support, um, because of policies, uh, family members cannot be at the bedside. So we are the physical presence. And so it's very difficult um, to speak with family members who are on the phone who are in distress, um, those that we have to FaceTime on an iPad, um, you know, what do you tell them? How do you, how do you, you know, how exactly would you deal with that? There's a lot of things that run through your mind. 
It's like, how, how am I going to tell this person that, you know, your loved one had COVID and then all of a sudden they got short of breath and now they're on life support. It's, it's similar even for physicians. It's, you know, having to dis- discuss code statuses sometimes. Um, it's, it's all very, very overwhelming. It's, it's very heavy pressure on a lot of us. Are you having to deal with more deaths more frequently with COVID-19 in, um, in ICUs and other areas of the hospital than pre-COVID? Well, yes, um, especially if these individuals were not vaccinated. Um, it's, it's not only a higher occupancy rate in ICUs, but like, I mean, the mortality rate is also higher. Is it harder sometimes just deep down inside to be treating someone who's come in with severe COVID into ICU who is not vaccinated? I know as professionals, nurses and doctors are absolutely committed to providing the best health care to uh, a patient. But is it sometimes difficult? Well, the way that I look at it is, I mean, we do ask the status just because we need to know. Um, but the way that I look at things is that I, I keep neutral. So because at the end of the day, you'd have to treat the patient whether they're vaccinated or unvaccinated. So, you know, we, we can't or I can't be heavily judgmental on that part um, because my main focus at that point is, I need to stabilize this person's breathing or I need to stabilize this individual, um, you know, and then and take it from there. Um, we can't sit down and, and be, um, I guess, focused on making our judgments. I mean, is it harder in the sense that, well, do we do do we often think I wish you got vaccinated? I mean, yes, we do wish that they got they get fully vaccinated because then they wouldn't be um, so symptomatic. They wouldn't be so short of breath. They wouldn't be so sick. Um, but again, like I said, I, I'm just someone who is very neutral. And if I see someone that's sick that comes in, no matter what they come in for, if it's COVID or not, um, our job is to, to stabilize. So my, my approach to things is to, be, is to approach them um, neutrally and to be um, unbiased and non-judgmental. So it's, it's hard for the public, I think, right now to get a handle on exactly what's going on, though, because we started in the fall uh, with, oh, Omicron is very virulent, but you're not going to get very sick. And then the numbers, I think, probably went higher than anybody expected, and more people started to become ill and more people started to become seriously ill. Now we're hearing, oh, it's going to peak in two weeks and then it's going to start to get better. Do you have better clarity uh, in, in the hospitals? It is a heavy strain right now. As you can see, there were two code oranges that were announced recently in the GTA um, where they had no or none to bear staff or nursing staff available um, to care for the high influx of patients. You've probably heard of the lack of ambulances available. So that's a real problem, especially if you have patients that are really sick and need to go to a hospital, they have no means of transport. So right now it's a heavy stress and burden. And um, you can see that when you have a lack of staff and nursing staff are a very vital component for a healthcare system, no matter if it's in the hospital or outside the hospital, nurses are 
the core. And when you don't have that stuff available, it becomes or it contributes to a collapse of the healthcare system. So right now, I'd say that we have heavy pressure and there's heavy burden on hospitals right now. Um, what is it going to be like in the next couple of weeks? I mean, it could change. It could get worse um, because the cases will keep on rising. It is the winter months, so we are more susceptible to us as well as influenza. And then, you know, there's other people that will come in that are not COVID related for other emergencies. Um, but it could also get better. Here in Niagara, we had a call go out to people who were retired nurses, any other kind of healthcare professional who could go to vaccination clinics to give vaccines because we all of a sudden had this and, and happily had, uh, you know, an influx of people who wanted to get vaccinated when Omicron started to really take off. So we've taken advantage of people who can come back and do that kind of work. Well, I think that's an excellent option. I mean, I have, um, you know, spoken to um, some nurses who have retired that that did go back um, to assist in vaccination clinics. Um, the only problem is also now is that a lot of nurses who wanted, you know, who, who are planning to retire later on are actually retiring much sooner because they're exhausted. So it's that, you know, there's part of the workforce where you have them, you know, turning over because they're just tired or they're going into a different form of nursing. And then there are those who are, you know, very seasoned nurses, very veteran nurses um, that have had years of experience, you know, and their expertise matters a lot. And now they're choosing to retire. So, I mean, like there could be that influence where we have nurses you know, that, you know, okay, just please don't go just yet, you know, um, you know, we can offer an incentive or how about if you go into the uh, COVID assessment centers or go into these vaccine clinics to assist with, you know, um, administering vaccines, for example. Um, I think the other issue is that, you know, although we are bringing in internationally educated nurses, and that would assist with the crisis that we're undergoing right now. What if they burn out and what if there's turnover there? We also have a lot of um, professionals that are working in agencies. So agency nursing, for example. But again, how much can they also provide? They will eventually turn over as well. They will get exhausted. They will get tired. So I think the other issue at hand is how do we retain our current staff? How are we trying to retain our current workforce of nurses? The thing with nursing is that it's always been a very challenging profession. And I think the pandemic has further exacerbated that challenge and made it more overwhelming. And I say that not only with physical exhaustion, but I think mentally um, there's been a lot of um, emotional breakdown um, you know, I think they need to offer incentives for current staff, like mental health counseling services, more readily available, um, you know, incentives on um, fairness and pay. Nurses have also not only felt physically and emotionally drained and exhausted, um, it's because they feel that it's a thankless profession at this point. They feel that... Um, 
you know, they, their, their pay doesn't match what they're doing. They feel that the benefits they receive are not, does not match what, what they're, um, what they're, what they do for a living. Um, you know, a lot of nurses chose nursing for a variety of reasons, but now it seems as if a lot of them don't have stopped caring or have checked out, so to speak. Um, and that's really concerning. Um, you know, because there's, there's usually a lot of passion that goes into this profession, but when someone says I've checked out, it means that they're there, but they're not all there either. Meaning that they still care, but the spark I think is, is going down. Um, and it's because, you know, everybody deals with stress differently and, you know, not everybody is the same. Coping is different to each their own. Um, I think that, you know, nurses are feeling very stressed, overburdened. Um, you know, they're trying to separate their personal and professional lives. They feel, uh, overworked and just underappreciated and undervalued. And I think there's just, I think it's now what, what, what they're, a lot of them are saying is enough is enough. Yeah. I know that nurses are not. Uh, are, you're very underpaid, um, and that's been something that um, the Nursing Association has been working on for quite some time. And I think that you would, I would hope, uh, have a you know a lot of public support behind you. You've had a very personal experience. You lost your dad to COVID, and you were at work the day he came into the emergency room last summer. Yes, actually, it happened last spring. Um, so, um, my father um, passed away in April of last year in the ICU, where he was hospitalized for approximately one month. He um, followed all guidelines. And he so desperately wanted a vaccine, but he was too late by a week. And I had been told that, you know, he had come down with something. So I was, I had told my family, I said, please just keep me updated. I'm concerned. And then I was told that he was getting short of breath. And I called an ambulance immediately. So he arrived into the emergency department where I worked and he just did not look well. And as you can imagine, my heart dropped into my stomach. Um, so he had been given the care that he required and was transferred to the ICU where I was given updates quite frequently. Um, about a day later, um, I was told that he had to go on life support and um, I broke down and I cried. And um, that was very hard. And um, While I was working, 
um, I was working alongside and providing care for patients that were COVID positive and also on life support. And as soon as I finished my shift, um, I walked over to the ICU to go and try to be as close with my father as possible. And it was through a, a glass uh, door um, where I would try to talk to him and um, I would pray for him. And then I would have to contact my family and give them updates. So you can imagine the stress that I was going through. It was mentally exhausting and I felt incredibly helpless. Um, my father suddenly deteriorated and I was told to run to the hospital immediately. And a few days later, my father passed away. And um, it's been very uh, hard to deal with since then. I, I can't even uh, begin to imagine what that would be like. Uh, I hope that me telling you uh, how much I appreciate and I think everybody appreciates what nurses and, and healthcare professionals are putting themselves through to, to help us stay healthy. And I urge everybody out there to get their vaccinations. It's really time we all stepped up and tried to put an end to this. And uh Again, I, um, I hope it helps that people do know what, what you're going through as health professionals and the stress that you're under. That means a lot. Um, you know, I've, I don't want to be called a hero or anything. I don't want any of that. What I've wanted is for simple things. I've only wanted everyone to stay safe. And what I've ever only wanted was for the government to just have a look inside the hospital and see what we go through. Anyone on the outside never really sees what goes on on the inside. Um, you know, a couple of days ago, I had a shift where we had five people that came in through the ambulance because they were so short of breath and they were all COVID positive. And they ended up either on life support or they ended up on a form of high flow oxygen therapy, all of which we had to transport to the ICU within, I'd say, hours of each other. Um We've had shifts where we only had 30 minutes of a break in 12 hours. Um, it's, you know, just running on your feet and everything. And I just wish that the government could really just see that and really just try really hard and implement resources or something for, for our staff here but not only here, but everywhere, 
you know, I, I wish that they could really see and understand the struggle that we're really going through. And it's not easy watching people who are really sick, people who can't breathe, people who can barely speak because they can't breathe and then put them on life support. You know, that's not something that someone would expect. They would never expect that, you know, they'd end up on a ventilator. And, you know, very few come off that ventilator. So nobody really expects, you know, death around the corner. Nobody knows that. No, nobody expects that. I just wish that people who don't believe in vaccinations, people who think of this as a hoax, would really see the harsh, gruesome reality of what's really happening and to really have a look and say, you know, oh my God, this is real. You know, because you don't know what it's really like until you see it to believe it. I really wish that, you know, people would take this more seriously. It, it's something that I can attest to because it's something I see day in and out on my job. We have to stop looking at it as numbers and see it as people. I think that that's, you know, that's what we're all, we're all just thinking numbers now. You know, it's hard for anybody to get their mind around it, but we need to start to see you and your fellow nurses as people and as well as 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 the patients that you have in the hospital these are people not numbers right you know we don't want to look at them as numbers we want to look at them as people right these are people of our communities these are people you know who could be your friend could be your neighbor could be your family member could be you know the person that you know, you go to get a slice of pizza from every single day. These are people, these are individuals. Most importantly, these are human beings. This is humanity. I say for people to please get vaccinated because I have seen the worst of it. I have seen the gruesome, harsh, brutal reality of not being vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. At least for yourself, for your family, your friends, your coworkers, and at most, please, for the sake of humankind, for humanity. You know, there's, I've been told, and from what I've even noted, you know, there are, you know, there were tons of healthcare professionals that have decided not to get vaccinated. I, and I believe this was also in the province of Quebec. Um, you know, and while I do understand that people do have personal choices, but at the same time, you know, you're, you're paying a huge price and you're paying that price with your life. You know, I just wish people could understand that so much more. I wish people could really see the truth behind what's happening you know, I, I really wish people would take it much more seriously and consider it. Well, I will do everything that I can in my power to uh, continue to help get this message out. I, I talk often to people about vaccinations. Um, I talk about the booster shot to people. 
And uh, I, I will do everything that I can to keep that message going. That's really, that's very, very much appreciated.